Who is this boy on the other side of the river? Who is this chel, mean-spirited peasant? Harry man, bring me across. I had a great breakfast of herring and oats. I can share some food with you. You talk about your breakfast like you put in a hard day's work. You're such a poor provider. I bet your mother's dead. You say that like it's a bad thing. It looks as if you don't even own three decent farm plots, dressed like a beggar with no breeches. Get your boat over here already. Do you even own your own boat? Hedoff owns the boat. He said I should only ferry men of good repute. We get enough horse thieves in these parts. What is your name? I would not hide my name even if I were an outlaw. I am Thor, son of Odin. What is your name? I am Harbard. I seldom conceal my name. Why hide your name unless you are in a dispute? Whether I have a dispute or not, I would defend my life from the likes of you. It doesn't seem worth it to wait across and get my prick wet. But I'll show you what's up if I ever get across this water. Okay. I'll stand here and wait for you. You face no one stronger than I since the last giants you killed. You speak of Hrungir, the giant whose head was made of stone, and I took him down in one strike. What have you done, Harbard? I spent five winters with Fulvar, and we slaughtered many, and I had my choice of women. How did you do with the women? I had every kind of women. Clever women. Frisky women. I slept with seven sisters. What have you done, Thor? I killed Thiazi, a powerful sorcerer of a giant. Nice. I know love spells and can seduce witches. I've seduced the wives of powerful sorcerers who invited me into their home. You repaid their trust with hatred. The oak tree thrives when his neighbor is felled. While I was in the east destroying giants, malicious women, there would be no men alive in in Midgard, if not for me. What have you done, Harbard? That's a shameful thing, Thor, to fight against women. I was in Valand, inciting princes to fight one another. You know Odin owns the nobles who fall in battle. Thor owns the thralls. You would choose to share the dead unequally if you had such power. Thor has quite enough strength, but no bravery. You dare not even sneeze or fart, yet Freyal may hear. Let me say that again. (laughs) Thor has quite enough strength, but no bravery. You dare not even sneeze or fart, yet Fjallahar may hear. You pervert. I would knock you into hell if I could reach across this water. (laughs) But why? You have no quarrel with me. Sif has a lover at home. That's who you would want to meet. Your glibness with words will bring evil upon you. If I make it across this sound, I'll hit you with my hammer and you'll howl like a wolf. The truth is that you're slow in your journey. You had better better travel day and night to make it back home in time. Harbard, you pervert. Bring your boat over here and say that to my face. Eh. Go further downstream. Perhaps they'll let you cross there. Well, can you at least give me directions? It's a long ways to go. Travel down river always until you come to a stone, and then turn left, and then you'll find your mother, the earth. Perhaps she can take you back to your father's home. For refusing me the ferry, I will reward you if we meet again. Go on now, to the land where the monsters will get you. <laughs> no, that was perfect for me, to, for me to do Thor and you to do Odin. <laughs> Good call. Yeah, I just feel like I, um, well, I guess we could stop recording.
You're listening to Between Two Ravens, a Norse mythology podcast with Sean and David. Hey, Sean, how's it going? David, it's going well. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. It's been, it's actually, it's really warm here. It's 75 degrees. I went out for a walk earlier and, uh, awesome. And then had a good day today. It's getting, getting busy at work again throughout the month of March. I'm going to be pretty busy. So I, uh, I have kind of a rough draft of that, the book I was talking about, but it's not going to be ready for, oh, nice. uh, for anybody to read it for probably until somewhere in April. I hope I'll get like a, a rough draft. I'll show people. But, yeah. yeah. And so this is the ebook on runes that you talked about last so, episode, right? Yep. That's the plan. That's what I'm, I got, I got a month where I'm kind of too busy to write much, but I'll, I'll work on it again. And, uh, in April. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Yeah. The weather here has been pretty good as well. We've, we nearly hit 70 today. Yeah. Um, so I, my, my personal philosophy is if it's above 55 degrees, I want to wear shorts, but I don't think it's socially acceptable, at least based on what my wife tells me. So I usually just wait till we hit that 70 degree mark, uh, to be able to go outside and wear shorts. Um, but I did that at some point today when we walked, when we walked the dog. So that was fun. It makes me think of kind of like the alternative to the the life advice from Odin is the life advice from your wife about what kind of shoes and pants <laughs> are acceptable outside of the house. Right. I can relate to that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, everybody's got their own advice, you know, or words of wisdom to convey and it's up to everybody else to, you know, listen to find ways to improve and get better. Right. What else have you been up to Sean? Uh, so speaking to my wife, we, we've been very, we've been getting into this game called Stardew Valley, which I think is a computer game, but we've been playing on the Nintendo switch. It's super fun. Um, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty, it's like a basic game. It's kind of like a mix of like harvest moon and what I've heard about, like, I think the game animal crossing. It it looks like super Nintendo style. I played it in like 2016 when it came out for PC. Oh, nice. uh, It's been a while. Yeah. No, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So it's cool. Like my, my first year is almost done and, uh, you know, I've, I've gotten, I've gotten very far with the whole mining aspect of it. I'm just getting, I'm dabbling, I guess I should say in the fishing component of it, but like the game does a very good job of keeping it very basic, but also giving you something to strive for, which you know, is going to take you multiple, multiple hours, <laughs> but it's, play, it's a pretty cool you can game. Play so. the whole game. Yeah. Hours and hours and just farm. But then if you want to go in the dungeon and mining and yeah, all that stuff, you got to save, you got to save the entire town. David, you have to go all out and do everything and get rich in the process. I'm just, I'm just getting rich growing cabbages and, and carrots. I'm probably not doing it right. <laughs> awesome. But yeah, that's pretty much what's going on in my life. I, oh, I've, uh, say it works, work is the same. My drink of the week is it's a local cider. It's a, a cider from a local cidery called Lost Boy. This cider in particular is called their Amelia. It's called their Amelia cider and it has blueberries and lavender in it and it's oh, delicious. Man. Oh, that sounds really good. Yeah. I don't have, yeah. I don't know if there's any good cideries around here, but yeah, Colorado had good ones. Uh, I haven't found I, them. Yeah. Yeah. When I lived in Colorado, I remember there was a really good one called stem cider that we went to. I, th- I honestly think like craft cider is relatively new. It's kind of like 20 years after craft brewery took craft beer took off. I could be way off there. I really don't know the history oh, like, of craft like, beer like you might, but. Woodchuck cider from, I want to say it's from Vermont, somewhere up New England. They, uh, they were one that you could find sometimes, but it was hard to find like a good cider and then now it's, it's, it's kind of taken off yeah, maybe like five ten years uh, where you find more of them but that reminds me of the story i wanted to tell so you know and i can't remember the source where i was reading this idea because you read all the times about the the vikings right the and them drinking mead but then mead is pretty expensive right it's wine made out of honey i actually tried to make it once and you also have to age it for a long time before it tastes yeah. uh, decent and when i drink it it's far too sweet i really don't care for mead at all i can't imagine actually drink like to get drunk on mead that you'd have to drink like three or four glasses and I'd just be sick from the, the sugar. Right. Yeah. So I was reading something about what did the, you know, the, like the Jarls and they had a, you know, a hall where all the Vikings would be. 
that they would go around and they would pour a little bit of mead into your ale and then they would do like a rune over it and then that would magically make your whole beer is now the drink of the gods it's mead and so that goes back to our talk about runes last uh, last uh, week and i can't remember where i saw it's probably watching youtube about vikings and viking food and drinks and stuff but i like the i like the, the vision of that where they just put a splash of meat in there and then everyone cheers because the magic made it we're all drinking yeah, like, drink of the gods yeah the yarl blessed your beer and also yeah. gives you the uh, ability to, to to speak in poetry or to speak yeah. poetry yeah and you think of the story right of uh, of christ turning water into wine right that you just put in a splash of uh, of mead do a little rune and and now your beer is turned into meat. Yeah, and I would be the guy who I'd be the Viking in there who like gets his uh, beer blessed with meat. And is like, oh, it's too sweet. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I'd be like that. That I mean, to be honest, I think that's why uh, heart like craft cider is taken off just because they realize that there doesn't need to be you know 20, 30 grams of sugar in it to make it taste good. I actually prefer the exact opposite. Yeah. And that's that's what, that's what why it reminded me of that story because when you find a good dry cider, yeah, to me that's so much better than like this far too syrupy sweet uh, like drinking apple juice. Yeah. Oh, and then I do have a correction. I don't usually have to make too many corrections, but um, that I, as I finished the book by Matthias Nordvig on on Asatru, on the religion of uh, following the Aesir, I realized that I did kind of misrepresent his beliefs because he, he says a line in there where he's like, you know, I'm not sure I would say, you know, as a, a follower of Asatru, I don't think it's really accurate to say, like, I think Thor's chariot is up there making thunder. But then the question of, do you actually see the gods out in the world anywhere? He has a line in there somewhere. He says something along the lines that, like, when you that he can imagine seeing in a crowd, like one of the gods in a crowd of people. So as he actually says that, I'm like, oh, I completely said the opposite last time about what I thought his beliefs were because I didn't finish yeah. the book. Um, so I'd recommend his book. It's actually on um, the Amazon Kindle Unlimited. If you, yeah, it's a very good book, and I, I think I that especially stood out to me when because Sean, you were talking about the show Vikings. That there's this mm-hmm. scene. What, do you remember what the character's name is that you had sent me a link on it? I think it was actually Harbard who's going to be featuring in this one. Yeah, that, that's pretty yeah. funny if it is. Yeah, that, that Harbard um, in the Vikings show, he's this guy who shows up. So Ragnar Lothbrok, right, is the, the hero who's just, you know, an impressive warrior who becomes kind of a, a Jarl and almost a king in his own right. And but he goes off to battle and leaves his wife uh, at home with a lot of the other ones. And then this kind of homeless guy, Harbard, shows up and he sort of seduces her. He's somehow kind of mystical, but he looks like he's kind of homeless and wearing a you know, raggedy, yeah. raggedy robe. And he sleeps with the king's wife and gets her pregnant. But it's kind of interesting because Ragnar had been constantly praying and asking to get be able to see like prophecies and know the future. And this baby was born whose the legs were misshapen and it had like one snake eye. And the idea is that baby's going to be able to tell him prophecies. So he got what he asked for, but not in the way he thought he was going to get it. So Yeah. And that's interesting because I, I know like there's Sigurd uh, snake in the eye. And then there's Ivor the Boneless. So, like, I'm not sure if you're if you're referring to both of them or just like I think the, the show, idea. Of... The show might have mixed up the two into one or something like that. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, they're both considered like the sons of Ragnar. You know, if you were to read like the saga Ragnar Lothbrok, but you know, it kind of seems like, you know, Ragnar prayed for what he wanted, and I think his wife at the time, like Aslog, maybe saw this like archetype or like it's this like character that she hoped she like needed in her life at that time, if that makes sense. Right. I, I think somewhat the show suggests like maybe she, she saw him as being a God, but the show also kind of suggests like maybe he's just this guy wandering around, right? It's kind of a very. Yeah. Well, that's what, I guess that's what Odin would be. Um, I think, I don't know if they have a character that asks him if he's Odin. I don't know if it's implied, but his name is Harbard. And we know from this story that Harbard is Odin, but I, I also think it's funny because I know Odin, 
the god like makes appearances in two other episodes one is the very first one where i think he looks like this like shadowy like gandalf looking figure after a battle like he's collecting the bodies harbard shows up you know spoiler alert when a main character dies later in the series odin shows up as this kind of like badass looking guy with like one eye that tells the sons of that character like your father is dead it's it's very cool because we do know that Odin takes many disguises. Um, and if he is Harbard, which I think they allude that he probably is, but he may not be in the show. Um, it's just really cool to think about, you know? Oh, well, it makes me think, yeah, like the idea, like, is it that the gods really materialize out of nowhere? Or are they actually just like inhabiting people, right? Kind of possessing them, manifest through a person. So that's weird things I've been thinking about this week, Sean. <laughs> what's our what's our topic for today on the show? Uh, you've been thinking about that stuff. I've been thinking about farming and whether I should grow like cauliflower or uh, leeks um, in my in my virtual farm. Awesome. So we can we can go ahead and get started. So in previous episodes, we have primarily focused on the god Odin, uh, specifically his lust for knowledge or his quest for wisdom, which is a consistent ambition of his um, that you see with his acquisition of the meat of poetry him sacrificing his eye at the well of Mimir, him hanging himself on the world tree Yggdrasil to understand the runes, winning the contest of wits against the giant riddle weaver, awakening the dead seers to learn about her cosmic knowledge in Valaspa, and then him discussing his advice, growth, and exploits in the poem Havamal. So although we, we have more tales of Odin we look forward to sharing in the future, we decided in the meantime to kick off another series of episodes, which I like to simply call The Adventures of Thor. Thor obviously being a very well-known character due to his role in the MCU movies. However, not unlike Snorri Sturluson and probably many other authors of the time, the MCU obviously took many liberties on the character to fit their narrative and to satisfy their audience. Liberties that changed Thor's character considerably, Primary change, obviously, being that Thor isn't as beautiful as Chris Hemsworth. I, I more so personally picture him as, you know, an uglier version of Christopher Hivju, which I probably got the name wrong, but he's the actor that played Tormund Giants Bane in Game of Thrones. So as opposed to having an entire episode on who Thor is or an episode on Thor's character, we thought it'd be best to describe him through the stories he features in, similar to what we did with Odin um, in Odin's series on you know, his, his quest for wisdom. Having said that though, the best way to describe Thor is to state that he is a very powerful God known for killing giants, but also as the stories will tell a God that is quick to anger and easily trollable by others, often by Loki, but in this case by his father, Odin. Yeah. So this one's a very nice connection because it's, it's got both Thor and Odin, right? It's not Thor doing his usual thing of destroying giants, right? It's a Odin's a connection with them, or at least it's the, the ferryman, right? That we think is Odin. And there's like a, I, like I looked into this, there's some um, thoughts that the way that the ferryman or Harbard talks to Thor in this poem, like, like some people think that Harbard is actually Loki in disguise and not Odin, because there's a, another poem in, found in the poetic edda called Lokasena, where Loki is belligerently drunk at a party and he gets pissed off. He insults all of the gods accuses all of the women present of being very promiscuous. And he, he calls like all the gods who say they're going to hurt him on, on his bluffs out, except for, except for Thor. But because of that, if you compare him to the insults that Odin throws at Thor in this poem, some people thought that it was actually Loki as opposed to Odin. And it's like, it's probably, it's considered to be Odin just because his nickname is Greybeard, which is Harbard. 
And in the uh, poem Grimness Small, I believe one of the names that Odin says is his own is Greybeard. So I think it's pretty, I'm pretty confident that it's Odin that's trolling Thor and not Loki. It's interesting some of the overlap of like Odin being almost a little bit like a trickster. Because I said originally actually that, that Loki's was kind of a god of fire, you know, hundreds of years kind of before the, the Viking Age. He was likely a fire god. And then he kind of took on this aspect of being a sort of dark trickster. But then Odin's also a very kind of dark character. So that, yeah, there's a little overlap between them as part of the confusion of the mythology. Something else interesting, I think I'll talk about it for this one. I'll talk about it more next time, is the whole idea of the, the hero's journey. I've mentioned that before as being kind of like a, an archetypal story, uh, Joseph Campbell and, and Carl Jung and all of that. Sort of that Thor maybe is like the connection from talking about the gods as kind of these supernatural beings to then talking about you know, men who are heroes, right? And usually it's men, not too often women, but that Thor is kind of the God who does heroic tasks, right? He goes, goes out on hero's journeys. So I won't say too much actually on it this time, but it's to think about that idea that the stories start with how the universe is created. Then there's these all powerful gods that create things. Then they start to become a little more human. And then they start to become more like a hero before they become a man who's a hero, right? So that's where we're in that process. That's where we're podcast is going, I suppose. Yeah. And you have to think about like the Norse timeline, which I've mentioned previously, because um, we've talked about Odin's journey, right? We talked about like him being a flawed God who needed to find ways to improve himself. And as opposed to, you know, working out or, you know, reading a lot more like in, in the Norse mythology world, it's, oh, I need to steal this meat of poetry. Um, I need to sacrifice my eyes. So I have more wisdom. I need to beat this giant so I can have this prestige or this perception that I'm this all-powerful being. And so like, I'm wondering if you look at this poem, which we're going to get into in a second, um, where Odin is acting as this fairy man who is trolling Thor, you know, you have to ask yourself, is this part of Odin? Is this another way that Odin gives his life lessons to somebody? Is he trying to teach Thor a lesson in humility? Whereas like in Havamal, when he's talking to Lad Fafnir, he's just kind of saying, here's like how I messed up in my life. Please like, here's how you should live your life based on my advice. No, there's so some major one... overlaps of that Odin is showing some things here that are kind of the advice from Havamal, or Thor is the example of how you might not be living the the values from Havamal. Yeah, we'll come, probably come back to that point, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I can get into the sources if you want, of which there's literally only one. Cool. So from the Poetic Edda, um, there is a po poem, and I'm going to butcher this pronunciation. There's a poem called Harbard's Laud. Did I do that right? That Does that good. sound? It sounds it. smart enough. Cool. Yep. We, can, we can go with that. So in this poem, Odin is disguised as a ferryman named Harbard or Greybeard, as I mentioned. Thor is on his way back from the east, which is assumed to be Jotunheim. I believe when we discussed the nine worlds, Jotunheim may have been in the east as well. I can, I can double check that. But Thor is on his way back from the east, probably in his uh, last quest of killing giants. And he needs to cross this river, but Odin is kind of blocking his way as a ferryman by not giving him a ride. So Thor does request a ferry across the river. Odin takes this opportunity to, to say, no, I'm not going to give you this ride over the, like, I'm not going to ferry you over the river and then proceeds to insult Thor or troll Thor, knowing full well that Thor is not going to take it too well. And what happens after this is what I like to call a series of insults, similar to a dark age rap battle or a dark age internet troll session in this case, the name of that is a flea team. So, so David, a style I, of poetry of basically insult battles back and forth is a, a flea team. Yeah, and so like that also happens in Locusena, which I mentioned previously, and I'm I'm sure we're going to discuss in a, a future episode. 
the Webster's Dictionary says a fleeting is a dispute or exchange of personal abuse in verse form. So pretty basic. Um, and I know, David, you mentioned that there was a ritual behind that. Like maybe it was like a status thing, you know, back in the dark ages. Yeah. Well, and one thing, the, the translation I had, they talked about how this might actually be a parody of a fleeting. This might actually not be like a good example of how it's supposed to be done. Yeah. This poem is very funny, right? I, I think it was the first thing I told you, Sean, was I'm okay. like, this is like a rap battle, like a disc battle. These guys are going back and forth insulting each other. And um, especially reminded me of Monty Python, right? I'm like, I think that's, that's gotta be where Monty Python got the inspiration from, right? Actually, that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Who's the giant that he kills? He talks about oh. killing a giant in here. That's yeah. So yeah, that's Fjungnir. I probably got that wrong, incorrect as well. So in the in the series of insults, Odin pretty much. And by the way, it, like at least in the early portion of the poem, we know that Thor does not know who Odin is, but Odin knows who Thor is. So Odin sort of challenges him by saying, "Why should I let you across the river? Like, who the hell are you? Why? Like, what gives you the right to demand I I fare you over the water?" Thor's response is often. Oh, well, I was fighting giants. I was slaying this giant. What have you done to like deserve? To ask like, me such questions, yeah. Yeah, to ask me such questions. And Odin's response was typically, oh, well, I've slept with a lot of women, which yeah. is funny because in Havamal, if you look back at those episodes, he was sort of bragging about, at least with Gunlod. Like, I know he was like a little bit sad about the whole ordeal, but he was like, at the same time, he was still kind of boasting about it. Whatever he calls his spells that uh, for seduction, right? That was another thing as I looked in my translation at the back notes, they, they had this whole idea from the, the author or the translator that Billings, it was, this question, is it Billings' girl? Is she Billings' daughter or Billings' wife? But that she knows Odin has the power to seduce her, but then she tricks him. She's like, oh yeah, come back later and seduce me, right? And Odin thinks that's a great idea, right? Yeah. So the idea, like maybe she actually knew that. So yeah, like she really tricked him, but it's also because he's there trying to steal somebody's wife or daughter. But yeah, exactly. So so the seri- the the insults and like the boasting continues, where like Odin's like, oh well, I defeated this giant. Who like what were you doing then, fairy man? And he was like, oh well, I was seducing this woman. I I had many women partners, and you know, it got to the point where like some of the boasts were, like were very sinister. I was telling you this week, thinking about a uh, yo mama jokes because there's this one line in there where. Thor, you know, Thor is saying like, uh, let me across, I'll share some of my lunch. And then Odin says, you look like you don't even have a good farm. You don't, you're not even a good provider. I bet your, your mother's starved to death. That's pretty much what he's saying, right? Because like yeah. such a bad provider that I bet your mom died. And I'm like, that is like, that's not how you do your mama jokes. That's a little too much. Yeah. Actually, it's funny you say that. Cause at one point, and I'm looking at uh, Sansa six. And again, this is a Jackson Crawford's translation. The ferryman said, you don't look like a man who owns good farms. There you stand barefoot like a beggar, not even a good pair of pants on. And it's funny because we just like made a joke about it. Like it's not socially acceptable to wear shorts when it's 55 degrees plus. So maybe Odin does have some uh, wife advice too. No, it's like you you look like your mama bought shoes at Payless. You look like you got your pants at Goodwill. You you can't even keep a good farm and keep your, you know, feed your mom, right? Like. He's just yeah. constantly savagely burning Thor. And then Thor's like, well, but I, I kill giants. And he's like, yeah, yeah, sure. You kill giants, but you know. Yeah. And then if you, if you fast forward to stanza 13, Thor is like coming back to one of uh, Odin's insults. And he actually does mention his pants. He says, it seems like a shame for me to wait over there to get at you and get my pants wet, but I'll pay you back slanderer for those nasty words if I get over this fjord. So I don't know, maybe, then, maybe Odin's insults actually got to Thor within six answers. Now that's what's interesting because in my translation, it said 
I don't want to have to, you know, because you were saying before, like, why can't Thor just get across the water, right? But he says, I don't want to get in the water and get my prick wet, is how they translated it. And the translator oh, really? said that it says something about a a phallic shape, like either a like a, a stick you would hit somebody with, or maybe he meant his sword, right? I don't want to get my sword wet and get it rusty, but maybe it was intended to be a double entendre. Yeah, and, and then Odin comes back with something like, I've slept with all kinds of women. And Thor's like, oh, really? What was that like? Right. And it's like, Thor, you're losing the battle. You got impressed by Odin and you're not, yeah. you're not winning this verbal contest. Right. Parts of it are rather amusing. And that to your point, like, I, I know we haven't done an episode on this, but there was um, like a scene in Norse mythology. It's actually covered in both the po- Proset and the Proetic Edda where Thor is fishing to catch serpent Jormungandr. Um, and he, he fails, but like in this, he like, he like snap, he gets it hooked on, on like this fishing rod and like his foot goes through the boat. And I think it hits the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. So Thor's huge in this story, but then in this one, one episode, he can't get over the river. And I think like maybe Odin knows that and Odin's is, is using this to kind of like humble Thor, if that makes sense. If you really think about it too much, right, can't Thor throw his hammer across the river? I mean, unless it's a very large lake. I think it says it's like a lock, a good-sized body of water. Thor, he's Thor. He's a god. He could swim across if he wanted to, right? But, oh, I don't want to get my sword wet. I don't want to get my pants wet. My sword might get rusty. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Thinking about that idea of, why did it make me think about Yo Mama jokes? So, like, I don't know if everyone quite had this experience, because, I like, I grew up outside of Washington, D.C., and I lived there a bit longer than, like, you and some of the guys did. So I remember, and then my mom would send me to all these summer camps. So I remember the kids just doing this verbal battle back and forth. As I'm listening to this, I told you half the Viking stories remind me of like us in the cafeteria in middle school and things like that. But this was like elementary school and the kids would have some pretty savage jokes, right? You know, like uh, your mama's so fat, she needs her own zip code. Your mama's so dumb, she stares at the box of orange juice because it says concentrate. And it's like, and it's just trying to one up it, you know, but it's like, but that joke's not funny if you know that someone's mom actually does need to buy two seats on an airline, right? Like that's, no, you're going to get enough. They're going to come back and hit you in the face right? if you use that. Yeah, exactly. And I I was coming up with one that was, uh, your mom was so dumb, she confused Fannie Mae with Jenny Craig. She's fat because she needs to go to Jenny Craig and she's broke because she has to refinance her mortgage, right? That's a little too. Well, yeah, I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get it. I get it, but I. It's not a good one. It, it's, and it's far too mean, right? As, as I'm listening to Odin, I'm thinking like, oh, I can come up with a good one now. And it's like, no, that's, it's one's mean on too many levels. And it's, it's too. Well, so the way I look at this, you know, it does, it does play off in some sense, like an eighth grade insult competition where everyone's like, everyone's like watching and, you know, each person's trying to like defend their honor but at the same time like they're really just trying to be bullies to each other in this case odin is bullying thor like maybe he's trying to teach him a lesson that thor needs to hear but there's a lot of insecurity on both sides like to brag about having sex with women that is a very insecure thing to do if you enjoy um you know sexual partners in any capacity that's not a bad thing if you know your audience right and then you know that that's what makes Thor impressed where then Thor's like not even arguing with you anymore. He's like, oh, really? Tell me more, right? Then that's, yeah, you found your audience, right? That's that thinking quick on your feet, right? You don't have like, I'm sure we'll cut it out, but me uh, screwing up the <laughs> joke three times in a row, right? That if you have to stop and think about it, right? You're, that's Odin's advice is like to be quick-witted, have your wits with you. That's the best traveling companion you can have, right? Think quick yeah. on your feet. It, it also makes me think of that idea of of how to disarm somebody with your words, right? Because if you're you're angry at somebody, it's turning into a fight, you insult their mom, they insult your mom. What is the way you can use humor to de-escalate it where you're actually not making things worse, right? Because you use, like I was saying, you use too critical of a joke and now that guy actually wants to stab you or he comes with his five friends after school and you're getting jumped, right? You have to know 
it's sort of the culture, as I was saying, you know, where, where I grew up, right? I, I never participated in the, the insult battles, right? Because I couldn't think that quick on my feet, right? But I'd watch yeah. people and they were just so, so good at it. Like it's sort of the idea, like, yeah, if you have a smart mouth, I know I kind of have a smart mouth, right? And like, you don't want it to get you in trouble, right? You have to kind of be cautious with that. Sometimes it might get you out of trouble, but sometimes it might get you in more trouble than you can, mm-hmm. uh, can back up, right? And that's a lot of what Odin's doing in this insult battle, I think. Although Odin can back it up, maybe. I don't know if he can take Thor one-on-one in a fight. That's a good question. That, that, that would be good to think about if you like only use the, uh, the Norse mythology sources. Because right. Odin has and, a spear. Like, that, not the MCU or anything like that, yeah. yeah. Odin has a spear that can kill anybody and he is always perfectly accurate. But Thor's hammer destroys giants. I don't I'd probably do it to that. Odin, to be honest. Odin's sneakier and he doesn't fight fair. So yeah, Odin's going to. Yeah, but and he's also he also has more wisdom. He succeeded, as we mentioned in previous episodes, in his, uh, his quest to be more wise. And so he has more wisdom, especially when it comes to fighting somebody like Thor, which he showed that he can do verbally easily. Like he's acting like this like insecure 10th grader, but he's making fun of this like eight, like insecure eighth grader. That's just trying to say, Oh, well I can beat this person up. So I'm better. Yeah. You know, like but, but the, the person says like, you know, meet me after school and I'll fight you. Right. And then could be like, Oh no, I'm scared. You're going to hurt me after school. Or you can say something very smart. And, and if it, and if it makes them laugh, then maybe you actually just de-escalated the fight. That's kind of was my whole point why I wanted to bring up yo mama jokes and the playground fights and all of this, right? Because that's good advice to learn of how your humor might actually de-escalate it. You know, I'm thinking of, this was back when I was in probably first or second grade, but getting in a fight with a guy and I was, I was standing up for a friend. And so I you know, fought a guy much bigger than me. We ended up being great friends the next year, but it was something about the humor to de-escalate the fight afterwards. It actually made it so it was a friend I kept up with for quite a few years, right? trying to find Odin's advice within this, uh, this funny rap battle. Yeah. But I'm wondering if like that, that was Odin's uh, motivation. Uh, there was actually a post on the subreddit R Norse. They, they mentioned this poem, Harbard's Laud, which again, I, I'm just going to assume I, I got way wrong. Like what was Odin doing? And the main response in that thread was, oh, well, he's just an asshole poking fun at Thor. And like, cause he knows that Thor is going to get like all heated and like have to walk away with his tails between his legs because he can't cross the river. And that makes sense because I've maintained in many episodes, like the Aesir, especially Odin, are like are, are horrible beings. But like, I'm also wondering if there is like some lesson that he was trying to teach Thor yeah, in this. If, if and I think Thor, it was a lesson in humility. If Thor wasn't so impressed with Odin bragging about his stuff, right? If is you really read the line by line of this, right? There's all these things where I'm like, Thor, why did you say that? If you said anything else, you know, you're not, you're not thinking two steps ahead like Odin is because Odin's not just bragging to brag. He's bragging because he knows it'll impress Thor, right? He sort of knows yeah, yeah. setting him up just to knock him down. And maybe it is right. Thor doesn't, Thor is strong and he knows how to smash giants, but he just isn't that clever. And then it's kind of not nice to be verbally, verbally tear him down when he can't defend himself. Like, yeah, I know Thor like brags about killing Krugnir, which I think is an episode that we're going to do um, relatively soon. But like when it goes back to I, this may have actually been Lokasena with Loki instead, but he mentions this. Uh, there was this one story called Utgarda Loki. Thor and Loki find themselves in this like predicament where Thor has to like hide in this giant's glove. The mighty Thor had to hide in this yeah. glove. And like, you know, like would that have happened to Odin? No, like, Odin funny. has been on the run before. Like he had to change himself into an eagle to escape Right. So tongue. No, but like, Thor, you know, may he, not have that shape shifting magic, right? Yeah, it seems likely he doesn't. Yeah. So there's definitely a lesson for Thor to have. And it's like, it could be in humility. It could just be in, say, like, like, as you said, you can smash giants, but you don't 
really know how to get by. Like you have physical power, but you don't have actual power, if, if that makes and, sense. And it goes, you know, I don't know what it's like for kids in school lately, right? Because I think there's a, a major movement towards not having all of this verbal bullying, right? The, back in the 90s, like you're not supposed to throw a punch, right? And whoever throws the punch first gets in trouble, right? I think schools have changed now where actually if somebody throws a punch and they hit you, it doesn't really matter that they threw the punch first. And maybe even if you don't swing back, you're still both getting suspended, right? I've heard stories like that. And I'm like- Well, yeah, I think a lot of schools, like they'll arrest both kids. Right, and it's like, that's, that's not how it's supposed to work, right? In, in an honorable society, the person who throws the first punch is the one who who lost their cool. Or like, this is my, how I look at an, you know, an honorable society, right? That's my, this is my <laughs> bias, right? Or my culture. But it, but it is like the way I grew up that like, no, you need to be smart-witted, right? You, you need to have a smart mouth to solve a conflict, right? If you can out-talk them and you win that verbal conflict, then you win and it doesn't need to go to blows, right? But then if you push it a little too far and you push that person to actually throw a punch at you, you kind of won the verbal battle. Um, hopefully you don't, don't get hurt too bad physically, right? But that's where also, if the society around you is structured, as I'm saying, this old honor system, you talk you talk real smart, you get the guy to throw a punch and now he's suspended and you're fine. Or he's sued. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because you're smart, right? That you got to talk that guy out of it. But now maybe things have changed. And as I'm saying it now, maybe it's for the better, right? That you, because that guy, that kid's so nasty, like Odin, <laughs> and, and is able to goad you into throwing a punch. We're not going to sort out who's good and who's bad. You're both just punished, right? That, that's an interesting line to draw. Clearly it bothers me, right? Because I think being a smart ass is a good thing. Yeah, definitely. There's layers of this understanding, right? And that's, I didn't understand that story about the glove when I first read it, right? So it's where... Maybe actually the next time we talk about Thor, that one, is it Hrungir? And then maybe also the one on the glove would be good to get. One of the thought I had was uh, interpreting this dream. So I've been talking about that whole idea of the Carl Jung book, Man and His Symbols. A lot of that talks about dream interpretation and that whole idea why maybe understanding runes and magic helps you to understand the way your unconscious thinks. Sean, would you be interested in my dream? And I'll, I'll show you how I interpret my... Always, David. Let's do it. This, this is one that I felt comfortable sharing. So, so here's the dream as I woke up and as I remembered it. Um, and I forget if I mentioned the part where I have a hard time remembering my dreams, but once I start writing one down, I usually find three more that go back in time. So in the dream, I'm, I'm walking around a lake and it's a pretty like very nice nat nature kind of area, walking on a path. I come around it and I have this thought within the dream. I'm kind of like quite conscious, I suppose, thinking that I should practice some mindfulness, both mindfully walking around the lake and then mindfully taking in a scene, like to find a nice, beautiful nature scene, kind of like you would pull out your, your cell phone and like you're going to take a picture and actually just look at it and then mentally kind of like your mental camera mm -hmm. taking in a picture. And I do that. And then a homeless guy wanders up to me who's kind of drunk and he's belligerent. He's angry and he's telling me, are you going to give me any of your pizza? And this is where it becomes the kind of mythological time where I had actually already set out a bunch of pieces of pizza uh, wrapped up in foil. So it'd be like two or three slices. Uh, you know, I took them out of the box, like probably six boxes worth of pizza, wrapped each one up, you know, three sets of pizza in foil put them on a table. I actually did that first before I sat down to look at the nature, right? Mm -hmm. But I didn't really know that until after the guy came and told me that <laughs> the, the timeline doesn't fit like a myth. That's how dreams work. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the guys, you know, he's drunk and he's belligerent and he's telling me, why, you know, give me your pizza. Why aren't you going to give me any pizza? And then there's this other guy there. He's either with his mom or his daughter. Like, like I couldn't look and see, but I, I knew it was somebody like that. And then he's the one who tells the homeless guy, just go get a piece of pizza. That's what it's there for. You're supposed to go take one. And the guy's like, Oh, and he feels kind of dumb. And then he goes and he gets it. Right. And I'm sort of there just watching the whole thing. And then I wake up and I remember this phrase of uh, verbal judo. It's the thing I learned in, uh, in grad school, which is basically 
talking somebody into what you wanted them to think in the first place, right? And that's what Odin's doing in this poem. But that's also, I think, that the meaning of the runes that dull the sword, right? What gets somebody to put their sword away, right, and not fight you? It is this verbal judo where you make them think it was their idea in the first place. You know, you say some things and it leads them down a journey where they're like, oh yeah, I did want to just do that, right? I don't want to fight you. I just wanted to grab some pizza. And then as I think about the dream, one of my interpretations too, is I think I'm actually all three people. I'm the drunk homeless guy. I'm the guy who's just <laughs> here watching and I'm the guy who's defending the other guy, but it's, it's, yeah. it's beyond what I need to explain. It's and the then, holy trinity of David. Yeah, right. <laughs> but then it reminded me of kind of some real life situations of things where not me being a smart ass in first or second grade and kind of getting myself in trouble. But when I moved to New Mexico, it was one of the things out of the group of uh, people I went to grad school with, they'd be like, David, why every time you go down to the plaza, the homeless guys come right up to you. They come right up to you and they're asking you for 10 bucks for gas or they got their sob story about why they need 10 bucks. And it happens and they always come straight to me and not anybody else in the group. I didn't know what it meant for a bit until I realized that I make eye contact with them. Everyone else kind of knows not to make direct eye contact. I think it's sort of this idea like, because to me, what it, what it means is like, I make direct eye contact with them out of respect. Like they're a person, I'm going to make eye contact with you like I would with any other. So I thought to not make eye contact is disrespectful, but actually it's also like, if they're ashamed of themselves, you don't want to bring more attention to that because you looking at them, they're seeing their shame or they, they know that you're seeing their shame. So it's the thing I had to retrain myself because at University of Maryland, I learned how to try to be real confident and you know meet people with a firm handshake and direct eye contact and treat everybody that way. And then I realized I'm like, maybe you need to back it down a bit because uh, people don't want you to think you're like staring them down and trying to threaten them or. But, yeah. Like, I guess if you want, if you just go up to somebody and say, hi, I'm so-and-so and want to shake their hand, there's like, a, there's a big assumption being made on your end. Right. So I didn't realize this nonverbal that I was inviting them over essentially with my, with my nonverbals. But I also have kind of a style of using this humor and these other skills that I think are things you learn when you get to do these like verbal battles and stuff as, as a child kind of to use humor to deflect it, right? That's kind of what's happening in that dream where you can have the pizza, right? Nobody said you couldn't have the pizza, right? That could actually like call someone out and be like, you know, you're an idiot. Why didn't you realize you could just have the pizza? Why are you making a fool of yourself when you're all drunk, right? But if you do it with humor in just the right way, they think like, oh yeah, that's right. I do want to go get that pizza, right? But yeah. If you, if you say it in the wrong way, then they want to fight more, right? So that's what's the rune that puts their sword away and they're not going to fight you, right? That's- yeah. Me trying to bring back in why I had to bring up your mama jokes today because that's well, I think this is interesting because, like, I know, like, when we discussed the runes last weekend, I know we did part one last weekend, uh, next week is going to be part two. But, like, one of the runes or like one of the spells that Odin mentions at the end of Havamal, it, it's directly related to his like power of persuasion, which you could argue is his voice. And in our episode on the meta poetry, you know that the ability to speak like in verse is magic. It's powerful and it's very influential. If you look at the runes, you know, like written language has power. It's, it's also influential. That's why like that we find rune stones today of like uh, from the Viking age where it's like, Oh, so-and-so was the King of this. His son was blank. Or there's one rune stone in, uh, and I think it's a uh, Constantinople that says like half Dan was here or something like that. And so like written language also has a lot of power. And in this case, insults do. Like Odin is insulting Thor. It clearly has an effect on Thor. And like, I, I'm a lot better with this now, but like, even if I look at, you know, online message boards or like Twitter comments, like I go, I start, I go down doom scrolling and it's, it's, it's very stupid if you think about it, but like 
they, like, I don't know, these written words or like insults have power over some, people. Some people do better when yeah, you have that time to stop and think about it, right? I, I probably do better, yeah, like online when you can stop and compose something very good. But then you also stop and think like, is this an argument I even want to be having or I should walk away and go <laughs> better with my time? There, there's so many times I've like said, oh, I really should have, I wanted to say this to that person, but I know it would have been too much trouble. And it's like, why would I even be having that thought anyway? Like, why would I care about like what some stranger said? And that could be a lesson that Odin is teaching Thor. Like Odin knows that Thor is going to go to bed that night and be like, what the fuck? Like, I should have said this. Yeah, That's going to be, that's going to make things so much better. But that's maybe part of the lesson that Odin is teaching Thor. Yeah. One last thing that I said as far as, I thought of as far as Odin's motivation, and this may go more so along with the fact that Odin's just an asshole um, that thought this was funny. It could also have been a power trip, similar to what he did when he defeated Riddle Weaver in the contest of wits, which I think was more so for prestige or this perception of wisdom than anything. But he was able to say, I beat the Riddle Weaver in this um, knowledge contest. You know, he could also go back and say, oh, I, I destroyed Thor. The all-powerful Thor in this uh, verbal uh, flea team. And, and it's great that he destroyed him, but if he like wants to maintain a good relationship with him, right? It's that, you know, you, you have a smart mouth, but then that has power. The one that came in my mind as I'm thinking about this, the verbal judo, right? You, you set them up to knock them down. That's very much what Thor is doing in this. It's also that you lead them where you want them to go. And then once they get their own mind to go there, you were expecting them to be there and you know the next step. So this is like Odin or Loki is being manifest. It's that guy who sells you a timeshare that you didn't even want. But then how did he do it, right? Because he has that rune. He has that power. Should he be using it for that? Well, he wants the money, so he does, right? It's like... And just imagine how awesome you're going to look if you can ski down. If you can come up here for three weeks every year and ski, like you're going to be the god of this mountain, you know? Didn't you always want that? Well, I did always want that. Well, then here's the next thing you need to do because you said you wanted it. And why are you backing out now? You said you wanted to do it, right? That's, yeah. It's not nice to do to people. I always think of these as, it's good to have that skill when you need it. Whatever Odin is doing there to Thor, it's good to, to know that guy or to be that guy when you need to talk your way out of something. But if you use it to be beating down poor Thor when he's had a rough day of fighting giants earlier that day. it's like, Yeah, or if he gets stuck in a giant's glove or something. Yeah, kicking the guy when he's down, right? No, that's not fair. Yeah, but like it, it is kind of also funny to think of Odin's angle as him wanting to keep his own skills sharp mm-hmm. and just being like, oh, I need to, I need to knock my son down a bit and he like he he makes fun of thor's mother being dead his mother is being like the uh, god personification of the earth pretty much and then odin is like oh well the earth is dead that's obviously a previous sexual partner of his as well so it's it's like why don't you go uh yeah why why don't you head down the road and and ask your mother and maybe she'll tell you to go back to your dad's house right and that's like yeah that that maybe all connects to this was odin (laughs) so i don't know it's it's kind of cool that but i think that's all i had with the story of harbard's laud the uh, or graybeard or you know whatever you want to call it, but it's a it's a pretty or it's a poem that's funny at times. And then we'll talk we'll talk more runes and then we'll come back in a few more uh, adventures of Thor, the ones that showed up here in this poem. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, have a good night, David. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.